Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the BJ Psych Open podcast. My name is Professor Richard Williams, and we are here today to discuss a new article, very recently published, in fact, in BJ Psych Open. It's called Working Conditions, Psychological Distress and Suicidal Ideation, and it's based on a cross-sectional survey study of UK junior doctors. I'm very pleased to be joined by the paper's first author, Dr. Kevin Teo. Kevin is a chartered psychologist and senior lecturer at Birkbeck College and director of its MSc programme in organisational psychology. He's also the executive officer for the European Academy of Occupational Health Psychology. So Kevin has a lot of experience in what ails organisations and their staff. Kevin, you're very welcome. And thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you, Richard, for the introduction and for the invite. And, and I'm delighted to be here and to have this opportunity to share a little bit about our paper and our work. Yeah. So, Kevin, could we start by getting you to outline some of the core features of the paper, which has been so recently published? Um, of course. So the, the paper actually is part of a, a wider NIHR funded project looking at the experience of uh, suicidal ideation among junior doctors. Um, and this was led by my colleague, Dr. Ruth Riley. So I have to credit and acknowledge my, my collaborators over here. Um, but the main point of the paper is actually that we found very concerning levels of suicidal ideation among our participants. So slightly over, over half of them. Um, and actually what we found was that there were relationships in association with um, levels of depression symptoms. So doctors who report higher levels of symptoms of depression uh, were more likely to disclose having suicidal ideation. Uh, but also I think what's really important is that we demonstrate an indirect relationship between the working environment and suicidal ideation. So whereby junior doctors who report poorer working conditions were more likely to report um, higher levels of depression symptoms. Uh, and in turn, this is then associated with suicidal ideation. So I think that that is the um, the concerning thing is that actually we start to see that psychological dis distress, whether it's symptoms of depression or whether it's suicidal ideation, really we can link that back to to the wider working environment. Kevin, that's very helpful. And a couple of things come up in my mind as I was listening to you talk. The first is I noticed that you use the UK Health and Safety Executives framework for standards in working practices. Can you just outline for us what you consider to be the qualities of people's working environments, which are important? Well, so the HSC, the Health and Safety Executives Management Standards, um, summarizes the existing research that we know around working conditions and staff well-being, essentially. And what's quite helpful is they distinguish this into six different areas. So what we're talking about is having a working environment where it looks at how demanding that working environment is, how much control someone has in that working environment, uh, the quality of relationships they have in that working environment, how supported they feel in that working environment, um, how change is managed in that working environment. Uh, and the clarity of their roles within that working environment. So uh, what's quite helpful is there in a, there's an established validated tool, so it makes measuring that quite straightforward. But it's a tool which we can then use to better understand the different facets of someone's working environment and also potentially then to look at how we might intervene 
when we say someone's got a challenging working environment, well, is it because they're not being supported? Is it because change is not being managed appropriately? Is it because it's too demanding? And in doing so, we can try to address by understanding what some of the root causes might be. I know that a lot of people, certainly during the pandemic, and I think well before that, experienced huge pressure from the volume of work and the type of work they were expected to do, often with reduced levels of supervision. Is this the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, very, very much so. And I think in an ideal world, what we have is an environment where people have an appropriate level of demands, where they're supported, where they have control, where they have influence, they have clear roles. But we know in reality, that's often a lot more, a lot more difficult and certain in an environment like healthcare, where demands are high and, and there's very little control over that. And the, the, the question then is, how do we perhaps develop these other facets? It's how do we then create working environments where people feel they have control, feel they have got clear roles, that they have support and they've got good relationships? But what do you think, Kevin, are the links between those working conditions and your findings, in particular, people um, reaching the extremity of suicidal ideation and intent? So... What we're finding over here is that because of the, the relationships between working conditions and psychological distress, we, we find that actually um, across all six of them, so it's not just a case that any one of them is particularly strong or is not having a, a, an effect, but actually all six of them are demonstrating relationships with symptoms of depression and then in turn the, the reporting of suicidal ideation. So actually what we're saying is that what we need are working environments which have appropriate levels of all six of these dimensions. But so the if I got this right, you're telling us that the relationship is not direct between poor working conditions and suicidal ideation, but it goes through symptoms of depression. Is that right? Yeah. So from from our data, that's that's the conclusion that we that we arrive at. So um, what we see in our data, there is a relationship between working conditions and symptoms of depression. Um, and that echoes a lot of the wider literature out there, which which is actually very clear with us. their meta-analysis on this topic, looking at um, working conditions of uh, a range of different healthcare workers uh, in a range of different healthcare, sorry, mental health outcomes, whether that is depression, burnout, symptoms of stress as well. One of the things which hasn't really been explored is um, suicidality. And whether that is suicidal ideation or, or actual um, dying by by suicide, so that's one of the intentions of this project was to try and better understand that relationship. Over here, we didn't find a direct relationship between working environment and suicidal ideation, but I think uh, the antecedents and the factors that lead to suicidal ideation are extremely complex. But perhaps unsurprisingly, we know that there is a relationship between psychological distress and suicidal ideation. So because of that and the data that we have over here, we're very certain that actually the working environment indirectly will influence someone's suicidal ideation. Okay, now that's quite a clear presentation of this. And I suspect that a lot of my junior colleagues who listen to this podcast will probably find resonances in their own environments of work with what you're saying. But can I just invite you before we widen the parameters of this to summarize what are the key findings which are come across in your paper? So I think the, the, the key findings are, firstly, we see that 
perhaps unsurprisingly, that symptoms of depression are associated with um, suicidal ideation. Another thing which we haven't talked about, which um, we, we also found in, in our data, is that from an individual perspective, that junior doctors who come from a, a, a lesbian, gay, bisexual orientation are actually more than two times as likely to report suicidal ideation. And that's something which really in the medical literature, but actually even in the wider workplace health literature, has, hasn't really been, been looked at. So I think that really identifies a gap which future researchers and practitioners need to be focusing on. And then I think the main takeaway, which we've already covered, is that link between the working environment, psychological distress, and suicidal ideation. And I think in a sense, then, that then sets us up to, to, to ask the question as to what next and what do we do on the back of this? Yes. Um, before we get to that, you were kind enough to send me some papers um, before we got down to this discussion. And I'm interested in this one, Doctors Perceived Working Conditions, Psychological Health and Patient Care. So I, I think you're beginning to say in this paper, and it's a, basically a meta-analysis of a series of studies, isn't it, that actually patient care comes into this fairly directly, in addition to the evident upsets that impact themselves on doctors who work in any healthcare system. Yeah, you're, you're right on that. And, and thank you for, for bringing that paper in. And I think what we start to see is when, when we start connecting the dots is really what we're talking about is all of these uh, systems issues, whether we're talking about um, staff well-being, psychological distress or suicidal ideation or, or patient care outcomes. Really, what we're talking about is going back to the, the wider working environment. In the meta-analysis that you've just described, in that one, we this was a meta-analysis of longitudinal studies, so the conclusions we can come to a lot, a lot stronger. So it's following doctors over, over a period of time. And what we see over there, in a nutshell, is that poorer working conditions are associated with higher levels of burnout, essentially. And that, in turn, is then associated with poorer quality of care being provided. In, in that meta-analysis, we also observe some direct relationships where the working environment also has a direct relationship on patient care. So essentially, I often talk about sort of the three pillars of staff well-being, patient care, and uh, the working environment. They're all interconnected, and really, we shouldn't be looking at them in silos and saying, look, this is a patient care issue, so we need to do something specific to that. This is a staff well-being issue, so the staff need to sort themselves out, but they kind of go back to the same root cause, so we need to look at them as part of the same one picture. Kevin, that's fascinating, and I think important. If I've got this right, you're saying... Um, if we can't separate these things and produce remedies for them separately, then we've got to treat the lot together. Yes. And, and I think also the, the, the knock-on effect is sometimes because we see them as silos, what we're actually doing is that one is then affecting another. So just to give a very simplistic example, with, with uh, you know, rightly, we want to provide high quality care. And in doing so, perhaps we might create additional protocol or processes to ensure that, you know, to reduce the likelihood of errors and mistakes in the working environment. But then the question is, what's the knock-on effect on that in terms of staff workload? You know, their administrative load goes up and then then their workload goes up and then that affects their, their own well-being from that perspective. So it's how do we look at them together and create the appropriate balance that everyone benefits and not that one is at the expense of the other. Are you saying that a superficial look at solutions to some of these problems might actually make the situation worse rather than better? Or am I going too far in that? 
No, I, I think I think you're you're completely right. And I think the problem sometimes is that we we often have viewed certainly staff well-being from a very superficial perspective to say, look, our staff are struggling. So what can we do on the back of that? And the solutions and I don't maybe at this point want to name any specific solutions, but might come across as very individualistic and very tokenistic where people are saying, actually, we're not addressing the underlying issue, or you're asking me to attend this training session to, well, let's talk about resilience. Uh, you know, you're sending me on a training session to be more resilient, but actually that's not the underlying issue over here. Or even even if it might be something which might be useful to say, well, you're asking me to do this, but I've, I haven't got time to to go to toilet and, and to have a lunch break. Where am I going to have time to do these modules or this thing that you're asking me to do? A lot of people said that in the follow-up to what was offered during the pandemic, particularly nurses, you know, because of our uh, our shift patterns, we couldn't take advantage of a lot of these things that were offered online or even inside our own organisation. I guess that's the sort of thing you're talking about. Yes, very, very much. And I think it's, it's the, the question is, are we, well, there's actually two parts to that. One is, are we providing the appropriate intervention and support that's the first question because there's lots being provided and and some of it's good and um, some of it's not very good or helpful at all and then even when we are providing it are we providing it in the right way where it's accessible and useful to those who actually who actually need it okay so I think you're telling me and again let me just check this with you that somehow we don't focus rapier-like on suicidal ideation. We look at uh, the internal structure of how work is organised and done in organisations with a view to improving staff feelings of support within the organisation that employs them. Would that be right? Yeah, very, very much so. And and to actually take that example, but out of healthcare, there've been there've been reports of high certain degree of, of suicides being committed in the workplace in manufacturing companies in, in Asia because of, of the demands being placed on staff. And the resolution over there actually is to set up nets around these tall buildings so people don't jump or if they jump off them, then actually they, they get captured by these nets and then you reduce suicide rates. But actually what you're doing over here is you are treating the outcome, but actually you're not addressing the underlying issue, which is the question is why are so many people in that environment feeling they have to jump off a building. That's absolutely fascinating. Let's just cast the net a little bit more widely. Are there other things in your wider work on caring for staff of health systems? Are there any other things you'd like to draw to our attention while we've got you? Yeah, certainly. So I think often um, I, I see my work as trying to collect the evidence that we have to demonstrate the relationships between what well, I said, sort of these three pillars, working conditions, staff, well-being, being patient care to show why this is important. And then I think that the knock-on of that is then to say, actually, then we need to do something about the working environments. And how do we then do that? To put it quite simplistically, uh, we often talk about trying to reduce the demands in that working environment and try to increase resources in that working environment. And often working in the NHS, around the NHS, people say, well, sounds great on paper, but it's just not feasible and that's not possible. What do you mean by resources, Kevin? 
So resources, uh, I'm talking about um, sort of job resources. So those are aspects of the working environment that we need to get get things done. There might be psychological resources that help meet our our needs. Um, there are also resources that help buffer some of the or mitigate the impact of high demands on us. But typically, I'm talking about things like having a sense of control and agency, having support in the workplace, feeling like that you have you have meaning and that you have purpose. So, so those aspects of resources, so giving people clear roles, uh, making sure that change is managed appropriately. So those are the aspects that we typically would be, would be looking at doing. And, and through some of our work, particularly over the last couple of years, we, we've been working on a project founded by the Wellcome Trust, collecting case studies of organizations in the NHS where people have tried to do this, to try and make a change in their working environment. Uh, whether it is to try and reduce demands or whether it's to try and increase resources, that there is then an improvement in the working environment for those who are working in that context. I mean, that's taken me right back into my experiences during the pandemic. So that's in my head uh, as we're talking now. What more do you think we could have done in the pandemic to have made life easier for the staff of the NHS? And I'm not just thinking that of junior doctors, but senior doctors and nurses in particular i think uh, i mean there's, there's a lot of good work done in the pandemic i think a lot of people did did the best in in the situation that that we were in and of course in in hindsight hindsight is a wonderful it's a wonderful thing i think a lot you know perhaps could be done around and, and people were trying and people were working in this area around validating the feelings of, of healthcare workers from from that perspective um i think also in terms of supporting transitions a lot of, of healthcare workers were working very transition roles and and you know whether they became they were being redeployed whether they were being called back um in into work and 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 all of that was uh, was and, and still is important i actually think one of the challenges and one of the things which I think we should and probably still should be doing better is supporting healthcare workers as we come out of whatever it is that we're coming out. We can have a whole debate of whether we're still in the pandemic or we're coming out of a pandemic. But I think this sense of at the height of the various lockdowns we were, we were in, there was resource allocated, there was acknowledgement of the challenging situations, but now a lot of that has been taken away. And I think that is where a lot of the frustration is is coming in. And I think going back to one of the earlier points about trying to change the working environment, one of the things that we saw during the pandemic is that actually, if there is a will, there is a way to change the working environment, sometimes for the better. We, we heard of examples in the pandemic of things like, you know, better provision of rest facilities, even basic factors like free parking, uh, a focus on administrative duties, which, which actually, you know, actually meant something. And and getting rid of some of the more superfluous tasks which which needed doing. And now that we're reverting back to how things were before, there is a sense of frustration as to why are we having to do this again? And or why are you saying we can't do this when actually we saw that it was possible to do this? Mm. I think you're telling us things that really might apply across the board, whether or not it's a pandemic. So thank you very much. Let me leave the last word with you. What do you want to draw to our attention? We've skated away from the precise focus of your paper. Yeah. Um, but let me allow you the opportunity to go back to it and just, just highlight for listeners what it is you think is really important about that paper. Well, I, I think there's, there's a couple of aspects. So one, 
is around the need to create better working environments. And I think also in tandem with that is the whole notion that actually what we need is we need to address stigma, I think, within the healthcare profession and to encourage better help-seeking behavior as well. So the whole idea of psychological safety that people can put their hand up and say, I'm struggling and I, I need help. And I think it... Being blighting their career advancement or whatever. It, yeah, certainly. And and I think if we are thinking about, certainly, yeah, certainly from that career advancement perspective, and I think there's sometimes this still a notion that a sick doctor is a poor doctor. And I think we need to challenge that assumption. And we need to recognize that a large proportion of our healthcare workforce are struggling. And therefore, kind of goes back to that, that systems perspective, but because so many are struggling that actually, it's okay to ask for help. And, and how do we encourage that? And how do we facilitate that? And I think also, um, I don't want to sideline the observation that we found for our colleagues who are lesbian, gay and bisexual, because that's a very interesting and important finding as, as well. And if we want to create more inclusive working environments and we want to retain our workforce, then we need to ensure that it's a safe space for all. How we exactly do that, I think that's something that we, we need to work out. Kevin, thank you very much indeed. I'm very grateful to you for sparing us your time. And... I might say also grateful for the clarity of your paper. It's uh, certainly a good read, uh, and I encourage our audience to do just that. So thank you for joining us. Well, that was Dr. Kevin Teo, and we've been discussing his new paper, and I should pick up what he said and acknowledge his colleagues, because there are a number of colleagues on the list of authors, and it's called Working Conditions, Psychological Distress, and suicidal ideation, cross-sectional survey study of UK junior doctors. As I say, it has just been published in BJ Psychopen, and we have, in this conversation, expanded from it to consider the topic of the working conditions of staff, particularly in healthcare services, much more widely. So thank you for listening. For the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at the BJ Psych. To listen to more podcasts from the BJ Psych Journal Portfolio, visit us on SoundCloud or search for us online. Well, I hope to, we'll be back with you in the not too distant future uh, to highlight another paper in BJ Psych Open. And I'll look forward to talking again with another esteemed author. But may I just reiterate my thanks to Kevin Teo for coming and providing a summary of his and his colleagues' work. Thank you, Richard. So thank you, Richard, for, for the invite. And thank you for everyone for listening. And if anybody wanted to get in contact, then feel free to reach out.